Hi, everyone. It's Paul Miller, the Free Time, Free Spill podcast. And I'm with a special guest today, and he'll introduce himself. Hi, this is Greg. I'm with the Suburban Folk podcast, and happy to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. And so how has your uh, financial journey been? Like, what's some things you learned along the way about, like, finance? Uh, well, I've always been conscious of finances ever since I can remember, probably even before I got my first job. College was something that my parents, right out of the gate, made sure that myself and my brothers were very aware of. So I had no idea what it would cost. I had no idea how I would ultimately save enough money to go. It was just understood that I would go. And I also really didn't understand how debt worked. Now, for me, that ended up being a good thing because I was afraid of whatever it was, or I just assumed it wasn't even a thing that you could buy something and then not have the money to pay for it afterwards. I, I didn't even know what a credit card really meant. So really, that's where I first got into my saving habits was once I started working, business money, all of those ways that you get a little bit of money coming in, I would save pretty much all of that, really expecting that I was supposed to be paying for college. And then once I realized I wasn't going to be able to pay for all of college, I took as many odd jobs as I could, uh, working throughout, uh, trying to get as many scholarships, grants, all that kind of stuff. So luckily on the back end, when I came out, I only had about five to $7,000 in debt, which based on what I've seen from the average student debt, that's actually was pretty good. And then from there, I wanted to get rid of that and started to learn about investing um, once I had a little bit of money to, to go on at that point. So luckily, it's always been in my blood to just be a natural saver. And the more I learned about investing, the more I learned about uh, other proper ways to budget and things like that, uh, I just kept building on that. And um, ultimately, I'm to the point where, heck, if I can stay on track, I should have my house paid off in the next two to three years, and then I'll really be in good shape. That's wonderful. I know with like student loan uh debt, like it can it, it's happiness when you when it's all paid off. Like cause you don't have like you just have small bills left like after uh the college stuff is uh done. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I married into the whopper of all student debt. So my wife happens to be a physician and she had already taken on all of her med school debt before we um so by the time she was done, it was $220,000 <laughs> that we had to pay back. So we just did everything we possibly could to pay that down as quickly as we possibly could. And yeah, once that was finished, it was often heck at that point when you've basically paid off a mortgage, like buying a house while it's still scary after that, <laughs> it doesn't seem quite as bad as it did before tackling that debt. Yeah. It's like 12 years of college or like being a physician or a doctor. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that whole time, all you're doing is paying the minimum amount on those. So it just accumulates and accumulates extra interest. So it's kind of a scary process. So what is uh, financial literacy? To me, financial literacy is really understanding things like credit and debt and then ultimately investing uh, and what you should be doing with your money. I think it's important to start off with 
the basics of what money's coming in and how you're spending it and making sure that you're curbing your spending, separating needs and wants, I think is something that people can tend to struggle with pretty regularly. Uh, so you can also get caught in the trap of keeping up with the Joneses. Um, actually, a good example recently, my nephew made a comment about a friend of his that they had bought a car or something like that. And he said, oh, they're doing well for themselves. And I couldn't help myself. I had to point yeah. out to him like, well, technically, you don't know if they're doing well because they could have put that whole thing on a loan and are just scraping by just to try to show people that they have money or think that they have money. But it's but really doing well is being able to pay for that car or realizing you don't even need it and you're putting your money either into investments or uh, for other things down the road that are more important than just showing off a flashy car. So I, I think separating those kinds of things is the best way to get started. And then once all of that's in order, uh, figuring out what you can do with your investments, whether that's saving for your kid's college or saving for your own retirement, and then making sure that everything is in order. One of the things that I mention a lot on my podcast is wealth is freedom. Uh, don't just accumulate money to accumulate money. Really do it so that you can have your priorities straight. Like in my case, family absolutely comes first. And then even in the job world, if you have enough safety, financially speaking, then maybe you don't have to work that job that you just hate going to every single day. Maybe you can start to follow your passions a little bit and see where they take you because you're not constantly worried about the next bill that's coming. And, and that's another big thing I think too that comes with financial literacy is relieving stress. I don't know the exact statistics, but when you look into divorce, for example, um, finances are one of the primary reasons that um, couples can get into trouble and get and ultimately separate. So some ways to save. Uh, one of my favorite ways, I guess, first, you got to have money coming in, right? Yeah. Um, and of course, for most people, that is your day job. Uh, going back to the college piece, I was a communications major. And to be quite honest, I didn't use the degree at all when I got out of school. I took a straight business job and it was definitely because it paid the most amount of money compared to some of the communication jobs that were available. Frankly, they don't end up paying all that much. And so I then was able to get my master's and sort of move my way up the ranks and the career ladder that way. But something else I would really encourage people to do, especially before you have a family, uh, when you first get out of school, look for other ways to make extra money, whether that's working at a restaurant, that's not a good example right now, but um, yeah. whether it's doing something else uh, on the weekends to get some extra cash that you can start to put away, or just look at the other skills that you've amassed. Some of the things that I did, I played in bands for years. So once I got out of school, I didn't have much time for that, but I started teaching guitar lessons. Um, I started doing soccer refereeing on the weekends, which has the benefit too of getting to run around and be healthy and you also get some money at the end of it. Uh, and then even to later website development, for example, something that I, I started to learn. Uh, and of course with the podcast now, um, 
that's something I'm starting to amass and offer editing and, and things like that, that, that you can continue to do. So if you have those extra streams coming in, then that way you can start to put it to certain savings. Now the kind of savings I am a Dave Ramsey guy, for those that may not be familiar with Dave Ramsey, he has his seven baby steps, which you need to go from one to the other to make sure that you're saving things. So it would start with a thousand dollars in an emergency fund so that if your car breaks down, you at least have enough money that you're not borrowing to fix it, for example. Um, and then you need to start paying off any debt if you do have it. Ideally, you understand, you know, trying to save beforehand uh, so you don't actually get into these kinds of debts. But student loan, things that are sort of expected in some way would be an example of a debt that you then want to attack. After that, three to six months of savings, just against in like your standard checking savings account at that point. Um, so that if somebody thing would happen with your jobs or anything like that, you've got some money. Uh, to live on for some period of time. Then you want to focus on your retirement investments. The recommendation, at least from his perspective, is 15%. And the most obvious that people are aware of is your 401k. Um, so you probably would start there. There's also IRAs. And if you actually have the ability to max those out, of course, there's um, taxable investments and so on and so forth. There's a whole world out there for your investments. Once that's covered, uh, if you do have kids, then you want to start looking at college. Uh, and at that point, you'd be in pretty good shape <laughs> once you get to that end of the road. So uh, the short version, I think, for the savings is at three to six months of checking and savings, then you can really start to focus on stock market and other investments like that. Um, and of course, don't buy anything that you don't understand. Or in other words, when you start to enroll in the 401k, at least have a little bit of knowledge of what's in there and uh, what is a mutual fund? What are these kinds of stocks that you're buying in there? So you have an idea of what's going on. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what's a good like living living uh, wage? Like I know like it's different from wherever you're located. Like, so like a living wage, like a good living wage. That is a great question. You know, I'll work backwards a little bit for something that I have to remind myself of. The standard that I've read for once you hit a certain amount that uh, no matter how much more you make, you're not necessarily going to make yourself any happier, <laughs> you know, which yeah. is, again, kind of going back to that wealth and freedom, I, I know is about 80000 I would say for me, um, well, I guess I'll, I'll give myself an example and say what I've been able to live on. When I came out of school, I was making $30,000 a year and was able to live on that as a single person and put away a decent amount of money. I'd probably say at least $500 a month roughly on that. Maybe not quite That's that good. much. It's been, it's been a while since I've been in that rate, so I might be giving myself a little bit too much credit. But I, I would probably call that to be about the minimum. Um, it, but ideally, if you can get into the, let's say, 50,000 range, I, I think that would be something to strive for, at least as far as overall being wage is concerned or, or a way to, to really hit everything that you need. But there are certainly a lot of ways to get creative. Here's a couple more examples for myself. When I was first out of school and making sure that I could save as much as possible, I would bike to work. Um, three out of the five days that I went just to save on gas. I made sure I lived close enough uh, to where I worked to be able to do that. As far as food is concerned, that one gets a little bit tough just because healthy food's not cheap. <laughs> and uh, that's sort of a 
something you don't want to sacrifice your health just for your savings and so on. But um, you can still, you know, be a coupon clipper and look for the sales and, and things like that for, for food. Aldi, for example, if you know the grocery chain, you know, they have certain organic things and so on that are as expensive as your whole foods or fresh markets. So just being a little bit savvy with that. Um, actually on our show, we, I just did an episode with my brother who we always debate about who's the cheapest. And one of my favorite examples for him going back to cars, he's a family of five and he's managed to be able to only have one car uh, for gosh, 15, 20 years. I mean, he's, he's had to switch out that one car, but, but point is, is for a family of five, most people would think you definitely need two cars and he's managed to make it work with one by biking, by taking public transit and so on. So, um, it, sure. it's really just running the numbers for anybody in, in particular. So even me saying, uh, 50,000, that, that might even be high. You know, if you're really creative, you probably can do it on less than that. Because gas and car insurance is a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as they say, a car, as soon as you drive the thing off the lot, you've seen it depreciate by, I forget the percentage. I want to say like 20% or something like that. So <laughs> you're not making any money as soon as you, as soon as you take possession of it. So what you teach on in your coaching? Really a lot of those steps. So the coaching that I am finishing up right now is Dave Ramsey's financial coast coaching masterclass. Uh, it's a, a overall designation. Uh, so if people are anywhere within those baby steps that I just described, but are having trouble putting the budget together. So just continuing with what we're talking about that, okay, I have this amount of income and I've got these expenses and I just don't see how I can make ends meet. Well, then I would walk through everything there and continuing the example, my advice might be, yeah, you need to go get another job and get some extra income here. Or maybe you need to sell this car that you have a large debt on and see if you can buy a cheaper car, um, things like that. And then on through. So of course it depends where uh, somebody's at in their journey. Uh, another example I think that gets to be kind of common is for people with kids, should you be saving for their education or saving for your retirement? And at least from my perspective, it's you need to save for your retirement because guess what? <laughs> if you don't have any retirement uh, and then they have to take care of you because you don't have any money, that's not going to really help them. And uh, being able to pay for some of their college isn't going to make that any better you know, up to that point. Um, and then it, really through the gamut, other things we haven't talked about that um, I'd be able to walk people through is certain insurances, uh, sticking with family. If you have children, do you have life insurance? Do you understand your options for life insurance? Do you need uh, something like disability insurance. Do you understand the healthcare options that you have in front of you? Actually, my day job has been in healthcare for the last 15 years, so I'm pretty well versed in that particular world. Um, with house buying, for example, hopefully people aren't in the bad end where they've missed payments or really having trouble keeping up with their house payment. But if they are, um, that's something else to make sure that I can put the right resources in front of them. Um, up until I even say bankruptcy. Now, full disclosure, I've not had to deal with anybody that's actively dealing with bankruptcy, but it's part of the program. Um, and at least where I'd be able to offer getting somebody in front of specific sources um, for something like that. So really everything in between. And, and the important distinction is uh, the difference between a coach and a financial advisor is an advisor would be actually able to offer investments like your stocks and bonds. Um, I would not be able to do that. I'd 
have to reference you to somebody for that. And frankly, I'm not really interested in doing that part of it. I like doing my own investments. I don't really want to do anybody else's, but that's one of the primary distinctions. So we talked about uh, financial health. What about physical health? Like some of the things you do to stay Yeah. Healthy. Yep. Uh, so physical health for me, my main uh, way of staying healthy is running. Uh, my dad was always a avid runner. And when I moved specifically to Salt Lake City, that's a kind of town where everybody's active and you feel really guilty in a good way. <laughs> if you don't do something, there happened to be this gigantic trail that I didn't even know how far back it went. It was really near my house. So every day I'd go a mile more, a mile more. Anyway, it turned out to be nine miles up. So if you go nine miles up, you got to come nine miles back. So on this particular run, I ended up doing 18 miles and that's getting close enough to a marathon distance. And that's what I sort of started to latch onto. So I think about four or five years after that first marathon, have done a bunch of half marathons since then. Uh, and that, that's really my primary uh, way of staying healthy. I'm trying to switch it up a little bit to go easier on my joints and do the gym a little bit more, just a little bit of weight training, uh, swimming. I'm a terrible swimmer, but it's way easier on the joints and is, is a lot of good exercise in general. But it's something I really try to focus on. Something else that I make the comment a lot on health episodes that we do is going back to the stress of finances and work. If your job is being a detriment to your health or taking you away from focusing on your health. Like that's a, that's nearly the definition of something not being worth it. So I try to be very conscious of that to make sure that I have time in my day where I can get out, do some exercise. Um, also of course, try to eat as well as I possibly can. That's an area I'm still learning and I love bringing in nutritionists and things like that to just compare it to my overall diet. Um, but, uh, you know, do, do the obvious stuff. Like don't eat sugary cereal when I wake up first thing in the morning and don't, don't eat out all the time and, and things like that. But that, that's kind of what I do with health. And I've really been trying to get as many different, uh, perspectives on different exercising routines, stuff like that, just to, to keep it fresh. Yeah, I jog sometimes. Sometimes I bike. I know it's, it's about balance because, like, the, like at those jobs, like a lot of people, they be on a computer. But if you scratch every hour, like, it, it really helps. And oh, like yeah. the right ergonomics. Yeah, I, you know, and I did a stand-up desk for a certain amount of time. It happened to be when I was in the middle of a pretty intense training, so I didn't really want to stand up much after I'd get done with a long run. So I think I just got a bad introduction to it, but I really need to get back to it now that myself along with it seems like a lot of people are working from home it it's definitely a good idea to get those stand-up desks if you can and heck i think they even have uh treadmill desks if i'm not mistaken (laughs) which maybe i need to look into that too where you know you get in a couple miles while you're typing emails that's wonderful i never heard of that I think they're not cheap, though. <laughs> I will say that. I'm pretty sure it might be a better idea to get a cheap treadmill and, I don't know, take a couple pieces of wood and uh, build your own little desk over top of it. <laughs> so, like, drinking water, eating eating right, exercising right, getting the right sleep. Uh, yeah, well, that's a good one. I, you're right. I didn't touch on sleep at all, which I am a big, big proponent of making sure that you get to bed at a decent hour and get the right amount. I've never 
understood, I guess, <laughs> when you hear, again, I'll go back to career advice where people will say, okay, like pulling an all-nighter or um, uh, just that you don't need, you only need six hours or, or less or something like that. And I, I don't find that to be the case. I mean, frankly, the only time that that's the case is if I'm worried about something else and I'm still trying to actually get that amount of sleep. But I, I personally know that I can feel, and of course, there's been a lot of studies out there um, that, that show how detrimental uh, it can be if you don't get enough sleep. And if I didn't believe it before having kids, I definitely do now after having kids, because especially with my first, where I was at least sharing the load of getting up in the middle of the night and, and getting in bed and changed, you're like out of your mind when you're only sleeping like two and three hours. Just uh, you forget stuff. You're just kind of worthless. You, you, you get madder easily, needless to say, uh, and you're just always on edge. So yeah, that's a good point about sleep. Yeah, you're not like mentally prepared for the next day. Like if you stay up, like sometimes I stay up and like I might stay up tonight and I might have a podcast. Like I, I recently did like 13 episodes since last Tuesday, but sometimes it's at night. I, I try to make up for that sleep because like I, I can't handle it. Like staying up like it's a, yeah, it's a good point on the podcasting. I'm I'm the same way because depending on where a person is at, if you have to do one at nine, ten, eleven at night, especially if I've worked the full day, I mean, I can tell when I go back to edit after the fact. It's like, oh man, what was I doing? Like, I'm slower. I'm not pronouncing things as well as I would if I had something earlier. And and then yeah, same thing with the next day if it happens to be an early one or not. So I I, I definitely can tell. Some people work so many hours though, like like 60 hours, 80 hours a week, like doing a job just to get money. And then like, they don't really have time to like take care of their bills. They might have somebody else do their bills and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it depends how much you really like what you're doing. Like if, if you're doing the 80 hours and the adage of, if you are working in whatever your passion is, then you're not really ever working because that's what you want to be doing. Uh, one thing that I would counter to that, especially if you have a family, is uh, wh what are your family priorities in the middle there? So uh, using the same example, like, sure, if you can work enough that you don't have to do other chores around your house and then you're able to spend extra time with family, like you pay somebody to cut your grass or uh, to clean your house, whatever it happens to be, then I think maybe that makes sense. But I know I've worked with a lot of people who sure they make good money but they are working those extra hours or another good example is the amount of travel that they end up doing that i just wonder gosh i really hope you know five years from now or, or 10 years from now when your kid you know is, is getting ready to go to college or you've just gone from those elementary school years to middle school years that you're not looking back saying, man, what was I doing? Another cliche phrase that I totally buy into, like nobody ever said on their deathbed, I wish I spent more hours in the office, right? No. <laughs> um, so I think that's something to also remind yourself of. Um, if you're having to work those hours, again, for like the reasons we're talking about financially to make ends meet, maybe you even need to look to see the type of work that you do. And is there some other skill you can get that maybe pays a better wage uh, for your hours? Um, but at least for myself, most people I know that are doing that, it tends to be maybe self-inflicted. <laughs> they, they, they do it more just because 
they can't help themselves. They can't seem to stop. Workaholics. Right, right, exactly. And then that's a whole thing, I think, for the American culture of, uh, it's almost like you feel like if you can't, if you go away from the work you're doing, like somebody will realize that needs you there or, or, or that, that somehow you're the only person that can keep the company running, which I've never come across any one person that uh, was able to run a whole company on their own. And if they took a day off, that the whole place went down. So it's definitely all in our minds, at least from that standpoint. But if you do get that attached, I guess, to uh, your work as your identity, then it certainly can be hard to uh, prioritize and, and manage your time. That's, that's the importance of uh, relief workers. And you, you have to have quality time because, like, that's your investment too. Like, your kids are your investment too, like, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, as they say, it doesn't matter how much money you have, uh, you can't buy back time. Like we all have the same amount of time. And especially when it comes to kids, again, just from my experience, whenever I'll hear people say uh, that they missed a certain period of their kid's life or uh, were away doing other things for, for whatever reason, I try as much as I possibly can to say, I do not want to be that guy. <laughs> I, I want to be the guy that reminds everybody else, uh, yeah, do these things. Cause I did. And uh, it, it was, it was, um, the, the best advice I think I got from that standpoint, actually was a, a running partner of mine and he and his wife had a lot of trouble um, having their first daughter. And I guess it ended up being their only daughter and they, they spent all the money on, um, treatment and everything like that. And he's like, I spent way too much money and way too much heartache and, and everything just to basically ignore my child with work because of what's going on. I'm like, yep, that's a, a great example. And uh, I think something people should probably remind themselves of. That's, that's great. So like your podcast, like some things that you talk about on your podcast. Yeah. And I think we hit on a good amount of them, maybe sticking with the parenting part of it. Um, I originally was going to do just parenting um, because it seemed to me at first I was having trouble finding other podcasts just focused on dads. It turns out there's a lot of them out there. I just, I guess I'm really bad at searching for stuff, but I think there are definitely more geared towards mom. So that was my first thought was to bring people on that could talk about different parenting challenges, ways of doing things. Uh, but I was kind of nervous that I was going to run out of things to talk about. <laughs> so I didn't want to just do that as my focus. And so I figured, oh, could I encompass? I have almost my whole life lived in suburbia and do now. Uh, and so most topics I feel like that I have to deal with as far as responsibilities are concerned for the most part, encompass what suburbanites are dealing with. So that's where the suburban part of the show came in. And then going back to the dads versus moms, uh, I didn't want to do necessarily just male audience, just female audience. So yeah. hence the folk part that I'm including everybody. Uh, and originally I was going to just have my friends and family as a rotating co-host. Some were more into it than others. So after about a month or two, I started to bring on people that I didn't know personally to 
talk about these different topics and ultimately we're subject matter experts in the areas of parenting, health, um, finance, uh, travels one that granted you don't have to travel <laughs> if you live in suburbia or elsewhere. It's just a passion of mine. So I wanted to have that as a focus and then home improvement, um, is another, of course, like fixing up your house in ways that you can, uh, do DIY projects. So that's really how the format has come to be at this point as I bring on subject matter experts in all of these different areas uh, to talk about just different ways of doing things and new perspectives. Um, and then I also realized that some people that are into health may not care about home improvement or otherwise. So the website that I have is set up in such a way that you can just click on the area of interest that you might have. So you see all of those episodes in one place rather than having to sort of dig through them on a podcast app alone or something like that. Cause um, again, people may not be as interested in travel uh, for example, as, as I am, but at least it's out there. <laughs> I know health is, you could talk about a lot, a lot with health. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'm, I'm finding that out as, <laughs> as I have people on, it's like, Oh, okay, here's a different aspect that we can do for, for one thing to the other. And, and actually something else that I try to do is, have the topics uh, be presented in the most, uh, not basic way, that's the wrong word, but uh, accessible is probably the right way to say it. So like with finance, there are a lot of technical terms. And really when you get into a lot of specifics of health for somebody that really hasn't taken on a exercise regimen or anything like that, I don't want them to be turned away because they don't understand the terms. For uh, Another example I give, uh, my first health episode was around triathlons. Well, that's a pretty intense kind of workout for somebody that's done nothing uh, up to that point. So I wanted to quickly have some like basics of going to the gym and then uh, basis, basics of healthy eating and things like that. So yeah, there are a lot of topics and um, I don't see me running out of things to talk about <laughs> anytime <No>. soon. <laughs> so I think mission accomplished when I sort of made the scope for the show. Uh, but But yeah, there is a lot out there and that's also why I want to kind of keep it at somewhat of a frontline level so that people can get introduced to these things that maybe they haven't otherwise. Any advice for new parents, like parenting skills? Patience is one of the main ones and then live in the moment. And I know that seems like a simple thing, but I know for my personality, I do tend to always think what's next or in the case of kids, like when I'm changing that diaper, oh man, I can't wait until I don't have to do this anymore. Uh, another one, even for the age of my kids right now, uh, there are some days where I would rather just be able to go right to bed rather than do the bath time routine and all that stuff. So I'm thinking, oh, it'll be nice when they can just go and hit bath and then we are ready for book time immediately after and I'm getting some other things done. But don't do that. Uh, really savor the fact that you have your kid there wanting to be with you, especially at the young age, because hey, let's be honest, when they get into the tween and teen years, they're not going to be that interested in you being around anymore. So uh, make sure you're not just constantly looking to the next thing and enjoy um, the positives of any particular stage. And then again, yeah, patience is something that I think you always have to remind yourself of that for example, like questions from your kids, like they're not, they really aren't doing it to be annoying <laughs> when they ask the same questions over and over again. Learn about the world. That's exactly right. Um, so even though there are times you're just tired, you need to do other things. Um, it, they really are just curious and they really do just want to hang out with you that much.
Yeah, patience, layway, and understanding. Yeah, it, it goes a long way. And something else maybe that I'll say I'm really trying to focus on that uh, maybe was a little different than when I grew up is uh, really being as open as you can. You know, for example, no parent is perfect. And hey, if you have a tone in your voice or something like that when you're talking to your kid, like, I think it's a good thing to, to own up to it, you know, when, when you come back and talk to them about whatever the situation was later and say, you know, hey, I'm sorry I got a tone or, or did whatever I did, and, but here's why and here's how I explain my feelings so you can explain yours. And I think that's a really important skill too, that if they can see you being able to express yourself and talk about emotions and how you're feeling in a particular situation, uh, that's something that'll go a long way for them expressing themselves later. And again, when they get into those teen years when they don't want to talk to you, <laughs> maybe it'll have become enough of a habit that it'll be a little bit easier to understand what they're going through then when it can, you know, really be some complicated issues. And like uh, interaction, like just talking to them, because like some parents, like they, they might not even look at them and they, some of them, sometimes they mean, but like if they just like interact with them and talk to them, educate them, a teaching moment and stuff, like they'll be thankful. I think the kids would be more thankful, like those different moments, like that they're interacting and just good memories. Not just looking at the phone and stuff and not interacting because y'all live together and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and I, I'll admit, you know, I certainly have moments where I've probably uh, yeah, been on my phone too much or taken one too many calls at the end of the day or something like that. But it is very important to actively remind yourself to put that to the side and have meaningful interactions. I have heard, read somewhere that try to do at least... 15 minutes and hey, half hour would be even better of time that is your kid's time where they get to make the decision about what you play with and they get to make the rules and just it, it's all their time because of course that's the other you got to remember back to when you were a kid and yeah, it does get kind of frustrating when you don't get to control anything in the house. You don't make any of the rules. So if you can build in some time each day where they do get to make the rules. They do get to decide what you play with and those interactions that goes a long way, I think for building the relationship and just something that they're able to get excited about and, and it'll build a good foundation. Yeah, binding and uh, like family time and binding, like this going to the beach. I know like COVID stuff, like it's, it's hard to do with activities, but like it's still some things you can do, like, like get outside and exercise or like play basketball or something like that. As a matter of fact, on Instagram today, every Friday, I am starting a new series where I'll post a infographic called Finance Fridays. And the one I just posted today, I said, hey, if you're sad about the way sports have been, and I know they're starting to come back now, just think of it this way. If you could go outside and play the sport, it doesn't cost you anything as compared to like, you know, going to the arena and in the game and the overpriced drinks and overpriced food. And by the way, you get to interact with your family and, you know, get some exercise. So <laughs> look on the bright side. So right on, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I know the movies, like going to the movies, like a food is expensive. Some people bring their own snacks and stuff. 
Oh yeah, I, I, I definitely do that. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's another maybe silver lining from the lockdowns that are going on right now that people will rediscover what they can do at home. I mean, I, I feel really badly, of course, for the restaurants and stuff right now, but maybe getting takeout and bringing it home if you don't have the time to cook is going to be a better option and allows you more time to spend with each other rather than in a noisy restaurant and doing other things. I actually think I just read that Blue Apron, the company that you get all of the ingredients and then you can make the food at home, has had a nice resurgence, I guess, since we've been locked down so that people can actually make their food at home. And hopefully that also means they're interacting some more. And uh, yeah, again, from from a health standpoint too, hopefully people are getting out. I, I also use that as a plug for the suburbs that, you know, people kind of make fun of the suburbs saying that it's cookie cutter and boring. Well, at least I can go out and run in the suburbs because I've got more space than people that are in the city and, you know, can't run without a mask or have to be further away from each other. And also even with just having a yard that the kids can play on, that is huge. We ended up buying, of course, one of the swing sets and put that up right at the beginning of all this. So that, that way, even though the parks and stuff were closed, yeah. at least they had a space to be able to to run around and play. It's nice. Like when the parks are open, cause like people can go and exercise and just jog and look at nature and stuff, be outside with nature. Uh, yeah. And, and for our area too, that's actually ends up being a pretty good social place to meet folks as well. Uh, we used to have these, Friday fiestas, I think is what they called them. Anyway, they do like food trucks and everybody would bring their kids around and so on. So it's nice to have that right there where you can socialize with everybody uh, and get some of that in. Now, obviously (laughs) that's been tamped down at this point, but the structure is there. So once we get to a point where we're a little bit back to what we were uh, before COVID, then uh, it's, it's nice to have. And again, hopefully we'll take the good lessons from all of this and and keep them going like yeah staying healthy and interacting with each other and and appreciating the time we have yeah so anything uh like some positive you would like to say like like to the listener like like something that you learned along the way and like something positive like just to take from like a whole conversation Maybe one other thing other than than live in the moment. And again, I have to tell myself that all the time. Uh, But something else is also discipline. Um, Again, I'll go back to the Dave Ramsey stuff. His tagline is uh, live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else, meaning you don't need to buy all this stuff and continue to have to pay debt uh, just to impress people and that kind of thing. Uh, If you can save that money, then later on when everybody else is still on the hamster wheel and stuck in a job, potentially they don't want and so on and don't have that freedom, you can have that freedom. Well, that is discipline. Uh, And and that also applies very much to health. Uh, Again, me as a marathoner, uh, you don't always want to go out there and do these crazy amount of miles, but once you do it, you feel really good. And it's an accomplishment that not everybody can say that they do. So, I would say that that that's something for people to really, really focus on is just use that word discipline, make sure you know what your goal is for the day um, so that it's ultimately getting you to what your high level goals are um, again in finances, in growing your family and building your relationships. And um, if you can be patient 
uh, and, and continue that way, then you're going to find that you're going to hit the goals that you're looking for. Hey, Gregory, it was a, it was a great talk and I appreciate you. Uh, take care and always peace, love and light. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks for having me on Paul. All right. I'll send this to you.